Good morning, church. It's good to see you and be with you and continue through the Gospel of Luke uh, to this really classic uh, classic story, a story that uh, we, we've all heard. It's a classic, uh, it's a good flannel board story. If you have a flannel board, this is a great one to use, uh, the flannel for. Uh, but, uh, but, but I think one that has uh, also, it's, it's a really timeless and, and a very applicable uh, message and lessons for us today. Um, I've spent a lot of time on, on two highways in Texas. Um, I went to school in Austin, and so from, uh, from the Dallas area, so we, we, in college, we were on 35, you know, doing the four hours up, uh, up from Austin and Dallas. Now, of course, uh, we going, go, going home for holidays and that kind of thing, we're on 45. We're going up uh, the four-hour drive to the Dallas area. And, and what this means is that I've encountered a lot of Texas thunderstorms, uh, right? That you, you hit a storm on the, the, uh, the, the highway, there's, uh, there's, you know, often rain, often thunder, lightning. Um, a few times, though, we, we've hit a storm where uh, the only safe option uh, was to, to pull off, right? Pull off to the, under an overpass, to pull off at a gas station and, and wait it out because the rain is coming down so hard um, that uh, you can't see anything. <laughs> you can't even see the lines to stay in. Um, and that is, that is a stressful way to drive. I don't recommend it. Um, and I think, I think for some of us, that, that might be the, the most uh, danger that we've ever faced from a storm. Maybe not. Maybe you've been through a tornado or a hurricane uh, in a way that, that threatened uh, your, your safety or property in a more, uh, in a more dangerous way. But, but this was something that, that our ancestors, right, the whole human history of before modern kind of modern technology, uh, they would have known this. They would have experienced the world in a very dangerous and unpredictable way. Right? They weren't as separated from nature and from the power of nature. And we're gonna see today uh, the, the disciples and Jesus encounter uh, a storm, a, a very large storm. And so uh, we'll, see, we'll see four things today. Uh, first, the storm. Second, the Savior. Uh, and then we're gonna look at two questions. The first question, one that Jesus asked in the passage, and the second question is one the disciples ask. I'm trying to get better at alliteration. I've got two S's. I couldn't make the two questions start with S, so I'm just working on it. You know, you can pray. I'm about half of the preacher I could be if I could just get those last two S's uh, in the alliteration. But we're gonna, so this, this is the, the outline for where we're going today. Let's pray, and we'll, we'll dive in uh, to, to the passage. Father, uh, thank you for today. Thank you for this passage. Thank you for... Uh, for speaking this to us um, throughout the ages as, as your church and, and to us today, now. And I pray that we would hear it today. I, I ask that like last week, we saw the soils, um, that we could be this morning, right now, the good soil, that we would hear your word, uh, that you would plant your word deep in our hearts and that it would bear fruit to eternal life. We would obey, we would, we would rejoice um, and and we, would, we would bear fruit for you and, and glorify your name through our lives, uh, whatever comes. We ask this in, in the powerful name of Jesus, and we trust you. Amen. Number first, storm. Storm. Uh, it says in verse 22, one day he and his disciples got into a boat, and he told them, let's cross over to the other side of the lake. So Jesus initiates this voyage across a lake. This is the, the Sea of Galilee. 
Um, this was a, a, it's a very large lake, uh, which is why it was called also a sea. Uh, and this is a place where, where Peter and John, right, many of, of Jesus' disciples were fishermen, and this is where they would have fished. This is where they would have, have uh, they worked before uh, they started following, uh, following Jesus full time. Uh, and, and so Jesus says, let's go across the other side of the lake. Now, why does he want to go? Well, you know, why does Jesus do anything? He's got a million reasons. Uh, but, but I think we're going to see at least two of them, right? He wants, he's taking them through this storm. There's, there's a purpose here, right, that he's, he's, uh, he's fulfilling. And also, we'll see next week, he, he's going to get across and he's going to meet a man who needs some help. And he's going to help a, a, a man who's, uh, who is demon-possessed across the lake. And so that's one of the reasons why He's going, but he says, hey, let's go. Let's get out of here. And so they, they take off. So they set out, and as they were sailing, he fell asleep. Probably Jesus had taught all day. He'd done miracles all day. Uh, he, was, uh, he was tired, and so he laid down, and he went to sleep. And I think from that, we can learn that naps are holy Amen, right? I actually think it is one of the, I think one of the lessons for this passage is that sometimes the, the best thing to do is to take a nap. Trust the Lord and go to sleep. I think that's good. Uh, I think it actually is. Uh, right, he goes to sleep, right? He's sleeping in the boat. Uh, and, and as they were sailing, uh, the, a fierce windstorm came down on the lake and they were being swamped and were in danger. Okay, a fierce windstorm, it says. So this is, uh, it came down on the lake. That, that's actually a technical term. The Sea of Galilee is 700 feet below sea level. It's surrounded by, it's kind of in this bowl. It's surrounded by these, these hills, these mountains. And so the wind comes down these mountains and, and comes on and, and windstorms can happen very quickly on the Sea of Galilee. Uh, so I read. Uh, and, and so the, the, the wind comes and a fierce storm Hits now, uh, you you might think, well, you know, maybe maybe the disciples here are overreacting. Maybe this is it's not. Maybe it's not that bad. Maybe they think they're in danger. They're really not. Um, well, one, it, I think it's important to, to remember that these guys, many of them, are professional fishermen. Uh, they've spent a lot of time on this lake. They've spent a lot of time on in storms in boats. Uh, so they they are not noobs to the, the you know sailing. Uh, they they know what they're doing. And so, uh, so the, the, these experienced, uh, you know, experienced sailors are, are, are reading this storm and going, this is, this is really bad. And it says they were in danger. The boat's taking on water. So there, there was a real chance. I mean, they were sinking here. This is, uh, this is a, a very dangerous situation that the, you know, and you can imagine it happening that, uh, you know, it's a, it's a, you start off, it's fine, the weather's fine, and then all of a sudden the storm's coming, you see it, and then it's on you, and then you're bailing out water, you're trying to remedy the situation, and at some point, the collective understanding of these experienced fishermen uh, said, I, I think this is it. I think we're going down. They likely knew friends, right? They like, had many, many fishermen friends who had gone out one day to fish and had never come back. And they said, well, I guess that's our story now too. Actually, they didn't say that calmly. It seems like they're sort of freaking out. Uh, and so, yeah, so uh, this, this storm is, is, is hard and it's dangerous um, and they are in a lot of trouble. And I think one of the reasons that this story is in, in the Gospels, right? It's in the, the three synoptic Gospels uh, is because storms will come in our lives Right, storms hit 
in our lives, things that we could not have expected, things that are painful, things that are difficult, things that, that are dangerous, they happen to us as we walk with Jesus. That the storms have hit the church throughout the ages. And I wonder if you've ever felt like in your storm, I wonder if you've ever felt like the disciples must have felt when they're bailing water out of the boat and they're looking back, Jesus on the cushion, like Mark tells us he's on the cushion sleeping uh, and, and just saying, he's sleeping. Where is he? Does he even know what's happening? Have you ever felt this way? God, what's going on? Godly people feel this way. We've already seen a couple chapters before John the Baptist, do you remember? This, this great prophet of God, the one preparing the way, the one, uh, he's preaching a message of repentance and forgiveness of sins. He's baptizing people. He's making the way for the Messiah. He baptizes Jesus, starts his ministry. And then he goes to prison for speaking truth to power, right? He's, he tells Herod that he shouldn't, he shouldn't have his, his brother's wife. And he goes to prison. And he's there and he's, he's despairing and he, he sends a message to Jesus. Are you the one to come? Or should we look for another? What's he saying? Hey, are you sleeping? What's the plan here? Where are you? Or you think about Moses, right? Great Moses, man of God. Well, what, what happened with him? He, he, uh, God met him in a burning bush. You remember? He said, you'll go to Egypt and I'm going to use you to bring my people out with a mighty hand. You go to Pharaoh, you tell him, let my people go. And he does. He goes and he, he speaks for God. He speaks to Pharaoh. And what does Pharaoh say? No. Right? I'm not going to let your people go. In fact, people are lazy. They're going to have to make the same amount of bricks they've been making, but I'm not going to supply them anymore. They have to get their own straw now. Right? And the Hebrew foremen go to Pharaoh and they say, listen, Pharaoh, we, can, we, we just can't make the same number of bricks without straw. And he says, you're lazy. You have to make, make bricks. And, and here's what it says uh, at the end of, of Exodus chapter five. The Israelite foreman saw they were in trouble when they were told, you cannot reduce your daily quota of bricks. When they left Pharaoh, they confronted Moses and Aaron who stood waiting to meet them. May the Lord take note of you and judge, they said to them, because you have made us reek to Pharaoh and his officials, putting a sword in their hand to kill us. So Moses went back to the Lord and asked, Lord, why have you caused trouble for this people? And why did you ever send me? Ever since I went into Pharaoh to speak your name, he has caused trouble for this people and you haven't rescued your people at all. Are you sleeping? What's happening? Where are you? This is how we can feel and storms. But he's not sleeping. He is sleeping in the boat. But he's not sleeping today. And he does know what's going on. And so we see that he is the Savior. In verse 24, they came and woke him up, saying, Master, Master, we're going to die. Then he got up and rebuked the wind and the raging waves. So they ceased, and there was a calm. Jesus 
He, he wakes up, he stands up, he rebukes the storm. He rebukes, he speaks to the wind, he speaks to the water. He says, peace, be still, and stops. I don't know if you've ever been on your porch during a large storm, a windstorm, Right, the wind is blowing, a hurricane wind is blowing at you. And just imagine you're standing on your porch and imagine you yell something, you yell as loud as you can, the top of your lungs into this wind. What would happen? Nothing, right? That's a, there's a saying, shouting into the wind. What does it mean? No one's hearing you. It doesn't work. We don't have, we, it, we don't have the power to, to, for our voices to carry like that through the wind. But Jesus stands up and he commands the wind and the wind hears him. Right? This is power that, that the disciples have certainly never seen. The same voice that, that spoke at the beginning and said, let there be light, stood up on the Sea of Galilee and said, hush. And it did. There was an immediate calm. The waves flat. The wind dies down. And there's a great calm. Jesus gets up and he saves them. He uses his power to save them. And then he asks them a question. And here's the first question of the passage. It's in verse 24. I'm sorry, 25. He said to them, where is your faith? Where is your faith? I love, I just love reading the gospels um, because you, you, you feel like you know what Jesus, you kind of, you understand him, you, you know what he's going to say, uh, but it just, he never ceases to surprise me with his reactions, how he actually, how he actually responds to things, what he actually says, because this is a surprising question, isn't it? Like you might expect he, he would say, guys, I, listen, I understand that y'all were scared. Like that was a big storm. Uh, we, I get it. There, yeah, there's a lot of what I see. Yeah, the boat's half sunk. Like there, it, it was a very dangerous storm. But listen, you got to know that I'm more powerful than the storm. You can trust me next time. Like he, but that's not what he said. What does he say? Where's your faith? There's a rebuke there. Right in, the, in one of the other accounts, he, he says, "Why were you afraid? Oh, you of little faith." Faith in this passage is a, is a form of courage. There's courage that the disciples should have had. In this situation, they should have had a certain amount of courage. They should have had faith. And they lacked it. They didn't have it. And Jesus expected them to. And in our faith, uh, our faith is tested by storms, isn't it? Uh, what is our faith if, if it doesn't hold up when the storms come? It's not real, right? I, I mean, that, that's what the, the faith, you don't know it's faith until it is tested. It's sort of the, the definition. Right? A, a soldier can, can talk a big game about bravery and courage. But, but what's the test? Combat. 
You don't, you don't know if, if you have courage until you're in combat. And then you know. Right, Abraham, in the Old Testament, he didn't know the, the, he could talk a big game about faith, right? But, but he didn't know the metal of his faith. He didn't know the strength of his faith until the command came, go and sacrifice your only son. We, we even saw this last week at the parable of the soils, right? What, what, what is the rocky soil? Someone who receives the word, they receive it with joy. It looks great. It looks like a healthy plant. And then what? In a time of testing, falls away, reveals that it, they had no root. It's testing that reveals whether our faith is real or not. This is one of the reasons why we go through trials. One of the reasons why we go through storms. James 1, it says, count it all joy when you meet trials of various kinds. Why? For you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance. This is how we build character. This is how God builds character in us, is by taking us through storms. But Jesus expects his disciples then, and he expects us now to trust him. He, he expects us to, to, to obey the most frequent command in scripture, which is what? Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. He invites us to grow into our inheritance. We can live, we can walk as people who are fearless, people with courage, people with faith. Now, it doesn't mean we don't get, get frightened or scared. Like, there's a, there's a natural reaction. My wife, uh, this week, she, she, uh, <laughs> we were in the kitchen late at night. I was putting handles, uh, you know, pulls on my, on my drawers. Uh, and uh, and it, she, she just, I turned, and she was standing right there with this Chewbacca mask that my kids have. She had it on. She was just standing there. And it really freaked me out. Um, I, like, I was so glad that I didn't hit her or something, because I was so scared. Uh, right, now, is that wrong? Like, listen, you should have faith. Where's your faith, right? Well, no, like, it's startled. you can be startled, you can be frightened, you can be scared. Like, that's a natural human response, right? But, but, but to, to continue in that, right, to, to mull on that, to continue in fear and anxiety, to let that consume us, what's that? Right, that, that's, that's not faith, that's not faith. And, and Jesus invites us into a fearless life. And what, what a, a light to the world we would be if we just were not afraid. Or what if we, we could, like David, right, Psalm 46 says, what if we could, we could live by, by this verse? The Lord is my refuge and strength my very present help in trouble. Therefore, I will not fear. Though the earth gives way, though the mountains crumble into the heart of the sea, right? though, though the world's falling apart, I will not be afraid because God is my refuge and strength. Or like he says in Psalm 23, right? that everyone loves Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I have what I need. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters, leads me in paths of righteousness. It's all nice and warm and fuzzy. And then what? Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, 
right? The darkest valley, the, the worst place, the worst storm you can imagine. Though I walk through that place, what? I will fear no evil, for you are with me. We don't ever have to be afraid because the Lord is with us. God is our fortress. He is our shepherd. And he will never leave. Dallas Willard says it this way. He says, when you walk with Jesus as your shepherd, you find that the world is a perfectly safe place for you to live. Do you feel like that? I wonder what's making you feel like the world isn't a safe place to live. I think at this point, it's, it's important not to, to catastrophize. I don't know if you do this in, in your mind, but, but I, can, I can just think about the, the, every situation, the worst situations that could possibly happen to me, right? And, and I can think, how would I respond? Would I have faith? Would I be strong? I, I don't know. What, what would I do in these situations? All these? And, and I, C.S. Lewis just has a really great, um, great passage in Screw Tape Letters where he just, he just says, God hasn't promised to give you hypothetical faith to, to match every hypothetical scenario you can think of in your mind at the same time. That's not what he's promised. What he has promised is that he'll never leave you or forsake you and that he's with you in your current storm. So what is making you afraid? What's making you feel like the world is not a safe place for you to live? There, there are dangers without there are dangers within. There are things that can happen to us, to our health, to our future, to our children. Right? The, the world, it does not seem like a safe place, does it? And it's not. We don't pretend like it is. But we know that whatever storm we are going through, Jesus is in the boat with us. He's in the boat. And so we're safe. And maybe you need to hear this today. Maybe you need to hear this from the Lord. Maybe you need to hear him say, son, daughter, where is your faith? And that leads to our last question, the question that the disciples ask. Uh, they, they don't answer Jesus as far as we know, which I think is probably a smart thing to, to do. Um, but, but they do ask a question among themselves. They do respond, and we, we get a glimpse into their response at the end of 25. It says, they were fearful and amazed, asking one another, who then is this? He commands even the winds and waves, and they obey him. Who then is this? Who is this man? Right, they, they just saw, they just saw some, someone confront the, mo, the, mo, the strongest, the most unpredictable, right, the most deadly force that they knew of, right? A storm, a, a horrible storm at sea, right? The most uncontrollable, powerful, deadly force that in their whole universe. They saw that force encounter a greater force, right? They saw a greater power 
call that power on the mat and dismiss it. And that power, right, that, that greater power, they realize, is him. And so a new fear, a new fear uh, comes into their hearts, right? As it says, they're afraid. They were fearful and amazed. The fear of the Lord, the fear of being in the presence of someone who commands molecules. And I want to I point out um, this, this faith that Jesus calls us to, right? Faith in storms, faith in whatever's happening, trust in him, courage. It is not a naive optimism. Right? We're not called to just grin and bear it, just pretend like everything's okay and it's gonna work out all right. Like that, that's, not what, that's not what our faith teaches. It's not a naive optimism. We're called to look at the evil in the world, look at the danger in the world, look at the pain, look at the suffering, look at our trials, square in the face, recognize them for what they are. Recognize the real danger. But then to know the one who is stronger than anything else. There's a new reality that we live in, right? That there's one who can command that power and it must obey. There's a Lord. There's a Lord of the universe and we've met him. And and I think a message of this passage is we need faith. I think Jesus is calling out the disciples' faith. He's calling out our faith. I think they learn this lesson. The disciples do. If you read in Acts, the boldness that they have, they learn it, right? They learn it over time, and we can too. But I think the main message of this passage is not, man, you should have faith. Come on, make it happen. Right, what what does Jesus say? When, 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 When they wake him up, Master, we're dying. You know what he doesn't say? He doesn't say, guys, I want you to think back on our time together. Get out your journals. Go back to like the things I've done, what you've seen, who you think I am, what you think my mission is. Immaculate conception. Like, do you remember all this stuff? Just go back, go process. And, uh, and then we'll you come back when you have a little more faith. And we'll talk. No. What does he do? He stands up and he saves them. Right? He saves his disciples, his faithless disciples. What does he do? He rescues them. And I think the main point of this passage is that Jesus saves. He has the power to save you. There's no one like him. Right? And, and it is not the strength of your faith that saves you. I think we get this wrong. I think, oh, I just don't know if I have faith. I don't know if I have my faith is strong enough. You know, my favorite illustration of this is airplane. There are people who get on airplanes very fearfully. Maybe you're like this. You, you fear airplanes. You, you almost don't get on sometimes. You, when you do get on, it's like you're scared the whole time. You're nervous. You're just thinking and playing scenarios about the plane crashing. Right? You don't have much faith in this airplane. There are other people uh, who, who have a lot of faith, who have a lot of confidence. They just get on the plane, no problem. They just sit there, they make the trip. Right, a lot of faith, a little faith. They both get on the plane. Do you know who gets across? Both of them. Why? Because it isn't the strength of their faith that gets them across. It's, it's the strength of the plane. 
And, and this, it works the inverse too, by the way. Like if you jump off a 10-story building with paper wings, I don't care how confident you are, you're not going anywhere, right? It's gonna go badly for you no matter how much faith you have. It's not the strength of your faith, it's the object of your faith. Right? And, and, and Jesus is strong, and they don't have faith. And you know what? He saves them. You know what all they do? Master, we're dying. They just cry out to him and he just rescues. And isn't that our story? Right? Where we are faithless, he remains faithful. Have, do any of us, do any of us come to God with like, man, I just have such great faith in him. I just never struggle and never, never doubt. No, none of us. Why, how can we make it through then? By his grace. Because he's strong. And so if you're in here um, and, and you, maybe you just, don't have, you just don't have any faith. Maybe you're just, you're weak. Maybe you have a lot of doubts and questions and you just don't, you don't even know if you could come to Jesus. You feel like, I just don't know if I could. Listen, if you have the strength to just turn to him and say, Master, I'm dying dying. I need you. That's all you need. Because he's strong. And he has the power to save you, to rescue you. And you might say, well, how, how do you know that, Lawson? You know, so it's convenient for you to say that, you know, that God, that he's here with us, that he has power to save. Of course, you say that you're a preacher. But how do you know that? Because he's not here with us. You know, he's not sleeping backstage. We can just wake him up and say, save us, right? Like, he's not physically here with us like he was with them in the boat. How can I say that, that he's here, that he's powerful to save? And I can say that with confidence because of what he did. Jesus went through his own storm, with the storm of, of the cross, Right, the storm where he withstood, he absorbed the wrath of God on behalf of sinners like you and me. He cried out for help in his storm. And he was denied. Lord, let this cup pass from me. No. And he was denied so that when we reach out in our storm, he will answer us. And he died and he was buried and he rose from the dead in power. And he told his disciples, he gave them a mission. He said, I'm up with you always. I'm always with you to the end of the age. And then he ascended to heaven. And you might ask, well, how did, how did they make sense of that? He, was, he left them. How was he with them? And then uh, 40 days later, right, Pentecost. This is actually today is Pentecost Sunday, right, where we celebrate the spirit fell on the church. Acts chapter two, the very spirit of Jesus fell on the church. And we have the spirit of God. We have the spirit of Jesus. He is in us. He is with us as a church. He's with us. He's here now today. And so this is why I can say he's here and he's powerful to save because of what, he do, what he's done, because of how he's loved us, how he's sacrificed himself, how he's risen, how he's sent his spirit to live in us and among us. And so, won't you turn to Jesus? Listen, I, I don't know what you're going through. I, well, I do know what some of you are going through. 
And it, it, it breaks my heart. I know some of your storms. And you know what? The ones I don't know, are, I just can't imagine. I can't imagine that. And God carries all of them, all of you, all of your stories. He carries them in his heart. And he wants you to know today that he's with you. He's never left. He's always been there. And you can always turn to him. You can always open your heart to him. I hope you will. Let's pray. Father, you know the the heaviness in our hearts. You know the, the storms that we endure and go through. You know the pain, the loss, the danger. And you know it intimately, not just from not just in your omniscience, Lord, but, but in your experience, that you sympathize with us because you lived with us. And you were betrayed and you were rejected and you were murdered. And so, Lord, we, we, we ask for your comfort And we ask just for the strength, just the strength to turn to you, just the strength to open our hearts, to open our hands. Lord, for for those, for any in here um, who have been giving you the silent treatment, who've been pushing you away out out of fear, out of guilt, out of shame, out of confusion, out of loss, out of sorrow, Lord, would you draw them to you? And as they open their hearts, would you fill their hearts with your love? Would they know your presence right now with them? Jesus, we don't understand. (laughs) We feel like you're sleeping often. We thank you for passages like this. We thank you for your word and your promises that we hold on to. Lord, for anyone in here who who doesn't know you, who hasn't experienced your love, who is faithless, I just pray that they could cry out to you. and they would experience your power today. We love you, Lord. We thank you. We ask this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.